0: Hello, and welcome to the Double Double. My name is Kelly Hogan, and joining me, as always, David Dixon. David, what's happening?
1: What's going on, Kelly? Down here on the Jersey Shore tonight, changing it up, leap, let the city for a little weekend getaway. but that doesn't stop the podcast.
0: We got a fun one in store tonight. We're going to just kind of rattle through the NFL's top 100 and just give you know, thoughts on where some of these guys are ranked and, you know, maybe go on some tangents along the way as well.
1: Yep. Because, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of in this not-dead period, but no basketball, it's regular season baseball, and football's coming up, but it's not, like, too close to the game, so we just want to get a little little taste of NFL football, start to get reacquainted with some of the players and teams and see where they're all at, and the, the NFL list is a good starting point to get reacquainted with all the guys and kind of remember who was good last year and who might not have been as good last year.
0: Most definitely. This NFL Top 100 list, I just want to read everyone the definition of how this list came to be so you're not too confused or upset or, you know, you might disagree with these rankings. These are, these are how they formulated them. So the NFL Top 100 is an annual list that features the top 100 players in the National Football League as chosen by fellow NFL players. The rankings are based on an off-season poll organized by the NFL, whereby players vote on their peers based on their performance for the most recent NFL season. Only players that are not retired in the next season are eligible for consideration. So it's important to note the way these players are ranked is the way in which they are viewed by their peers, not general managers, not fans, but by their peers. And it doesn't really take into account positional value. So we're not just going to have, you know, the top 10 quarterbacks ranked one through 10, even though quarterback is the most important position. It kind of takes that into account.
1: Yep. And, you know, by a list being done with the players, any any list there's going to be disagreements. And I can guarantee... Not only are Kelly and I going to disagree on where the players are ranked with what the players chose in, in the list, but we're going to disagree with, with each other on, on a lot of stuff because it's, it's, it's just a fun list to get, to get ready for, for the football season.
0: For sure. So we're going to cut these into chunks of five, starting with number 100. We've got Eric Weddle, Derrick Henry, Tyler Lockett, Byron Jones, Carson Wentz, and Kyle Fuller. David, what are your thoughts here?
1: So even though that was six, uh, the first guys that I'm shocked was 100 was the first guy who you mentioned, which was Eric Weddle. Eric Weddle was awesome with the Chargers. He made three straight Pro Bowls, I'm pretty sure, with the Baltimore Ravens. That dude is a machine, menace, tackling machine, t- and I just love the fact that, A, he doesn't wear gloves on his hand because that's just so unusual nowadays. It's like a batter in baseball who doesn't wear batting gloves. And I think Eric Weddle is severely underrated by his peers. He wasn't ranked in, t- in 2017. He's in 100 in 2018. And he was a pro bowler. So the players are basically saying, hey, we don't think you're that good. But Eric Weddle was one of the main reasons that they made the playoffs because that Baltimore defense was so good last year.
0: I agree. I think he's underrated. He's going to bring a nice little presence to the Rams defense. The Rams are loaded. Ra- Rams are absolutely loaded. Aaron Donald, Eric Weddle, if their defense can just be competent with that offense and Sean McVay, I think they're obviously going to be a dangerous team and possibly the Super Bowl favorites from the NFC.
1: For sure. And the big thing for them is is health. Stay, staying healthy because they're going after veterans to try to win now. And the big thing is with veterans is that, or really with any football player, but especially veterans, is making sure that they're healthy for the whole grind.
0: And I don't think it's a coincidence. Correct me if I'm wrong, David, or if you disagree. Derrick Henry had a nice 99-yard touchdown run last year on Thursday Night Football, and he just, you know, he happens to be ranked 99th. It seems like quite the coincidence to me. I know, you know, it's it's probably a little symbolic. I'm not sure if Derrick Henry belongs on this list, but if they're gonna slap someone at 99, I guess it makes sense it was Derrick Henry.
1: He's not qualified. He this is clearly like, okay, uh maybe the defensive players, because he is a really big running back. He's like 6'4. They list him at 220 or 225. There's no way he weighs less than like 270 pounds. Have you seen this dude? He's ginormous. Yeah, he makes he makes Jerome Bettis look small. Yeah, and so maybe these are just votes from the defensive guys and who don't like having to tackle him, so so they give him a lot of respect. But Derrick Henry is not a top one hundred player in the NFL. I don't believe.
0: I don't think so. He does remind me a little bit of Brandon Jacobs, and yes. I was I was watching Brandon Jacobs highlights a couple weeks back, and Derek Henry and Brandon Jacobs when they're running at DBs these guys will pretend like they're being blocked and almost run the opposite direction because they want no part of them.
1: Yeah, and that, that's really impressive because the, the lowering the shoulder and just falling forwards is such a big part of being a running back. And these guys are so hard to tackle that they can kind of just fall wherever. And, and Henry probably does get a bunch of extra yards. To be fair, I'm not watching a lot of Tennessee Titans football, Kelly.
0: Yeah, Marcus Mariota doesn't really do it for me.
1: Yeah, that's that's not a part of my typical Sunday agenda is, is sitting down and seeing how the boys down in Tennessee are doing. But uh, the the next guy who, who I want to talk about is Carson Wentz. So Wentz is ranked 96. He was the favorite for MVP in 2017 before he tore his ACL in week 14 against the Rams. And obviously we all know what happens. Foles comes in. He looks really shaky up until about the divisional round of the playoffs. And then he goes on a magical run and wins the Super Bowl. But so Wentz tears his ACL in 2017. Then he injures his back last year and had to miss a bunch of games where Foles then came in and played in the playoffs again and won another playoff game And Wentz, my question for you is, should we be concerned about him being injury-prone and the long-term projection of his career?
0: So my initial reaction when I was going through this list, 96 at Carson Wentz for a guy who you mentioned was probably the MVP frontrunner before he got hurt, seems incredibly low. You definitely have to factor in the injuries because your best ability in the NFL is your availability, and yeah. he has not been available the past couple of seasons. The Eagles have had to rely on Nick Foles, and he led them to a Super Bowl, but in the long term, Carson Wentz has got to you know stay healthy, and he doesn't have a body type where that really seems like it should be a concern, but this is going to be his fourth year, and two of his first three seasons were cut short due to injury. So if I had to guess, I would say that's why he is so low on this list, but his upside and his potential and quite frankly where I'd rank him amongst NFL quarterbacks is much higher than where he's he's placed at in these rankings.
1: Because in the 2018 rankings, he was ranked third behind Brady and Antonio Brown. So Wentz fell 93 spots. And I think a lot of that might have to do with maybe just the fact that either Foles won the Super Bowl or that he got hurt again, because Wentz is extremely talented. And I think everyone in the league would rather have him than Jared Goff from that draft class. Like, if you could choose, like, if you could redo that draft, I think the Rams would take once number one. And I don't think that's a hot take at all. And I think it's really interesting to see, like, his fall kind of in the context of... What the players from, from, from at least the player's perspective, because he's still super talented, and maybe there's a little pushback to some guys who don't want to appoint him the next great quarterback too early when he hasn't been proven to stay healthy.
0: Right, and I agree with you 100 percent on that. If the Rams had a do-over or a mulligan, I think they probably would take Carson Wentz as well. But let's move on, and you know, could you called me out that I can't count, now I'll count them out one by one to make sure I get five. <laughs> So 94 is Mitchell Schwartz, 93 is TJ Watt, 92 is Jarrell Casey, Andrew Whitworth is 91, and 90 is Julian Edelman. Thoughts?
1: So, full disclaimer, I don't know a lot about offensive line play. Uh, They're incredibly important to any team, but when I watch a football game, I don't notice the... The great blocks in terms of technique, uh unless they're pointed out to me by Chris Collinsworth or Troy Aikman or someone like that, so about Mitchell Schwartz and Andrew Whitworth, from my perspective, it feels like they could be uh way higher because they're both Pro Bowls. I think Whitworth is awesome. I know that from what I've read about the Rams, he's been a really important part of their team. I think t j Watt, an outside linebacker, this was he'll be on this list for a while now because he was really productive but the one guy who i want to highlight i think you do too is is uh, edelman at number 90
0: does he have a hall of fame case that's what i wanted to ask you
1: so in terms of hall of fame i think everything makes sense on paper he was a seventh round pick overlooked gets thrown in and just through crazy work ethic he's turned into one of the most important and recognizable players, I think, of the whole Patriots dynasty, and became one of Tom Brady's favorite weapons I think he's ever had. Played the Bowls, he's won three. He's always open in the biggest moments. So when you talk about clutch factor, that's such a big thing, is that whenever the Patriots need to convert a third down, he you know, he's always open, which is incredible. But here's my question for you about his Hall of Fame and just about Edelman in general. So even though he won Super Bowl MVP this past year, he was suspended for the first four games for PEDs. So is this like a baseball Hall of Fame type thing where if you've been caught and suspended for PEDs, does that immediately eliminate you from the Hall of Fame contention?
0: No, because Ray Lewis is getting into the Hall of Fame. I feel like there's a bunch of guys who have tested positive four substances that still get into the hall of fame. I think it's different for football. I'm not sure why the perception is different. Maybe because it's more of a gladiator type sport and it's less, you know, the the baseball is so obsessed with these numbers and when they were tainted with, with these performance enhancing drugs that obviously had a lot to do with it, but I don't think that would keep him out of the hall. I just think it's his lack of production. He's had two seasons with over a thousand yards. He's only had four with over 70 catches He's definitely showed out in the playoffs, but I mean, is, is Robert Ori going to make the NBA Hall of Fame? I, I think not that they're analogous careers, but I think he, Julian Edelman is closer to Robert Ori in his sport than he is to say someone who's a Hall of Famer. I think he's had a very solid career and has showed up big for his team in, in some very big spots, but I don't, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer.
1: Interesting. Because maybe it's the, the Brady effect as well. It's that the Brady and Belichick, kind of the key players from that era, and that team will all be able to get in, whether it's, uh, I mean, do you think Gronk's a Hall of Famer? No doubt. No doubt. All right, so, so Gronk and Brady will be in. Do you think Wes Welker's a Hall of Famer? Because I think that's the comparison, right?
0: He's put up some really, really good seasons. Wes Welker has a better case than Julian Edelman. I still don't think Wes Welker is a Hall of Famer.
1: It's tough because because he also is, is going to play for a bunch of more years too.
0: Right. He definitely has a chance to add to his resume. I will say at this moment, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. The next player on the list, number 89, is also a Patriot, Devin McCourty. Then we've got Cameron Hayward, Cam Newton, Darius Slay, and Frank Clark. David, Cam Newton is one of the most polarizing quarterbacks in the entire NFL. He's dealt with some shoulder issues this offseason. He had some surgery. He's had his throws limited thus far in training camp. What is your stance on just Cam and his standing in the league?
1: I'm really confused by it, to be honest, because obviously he wins MVP in 2015. He's awesome. He comes on the brink of winning the Super Bowl. And I guess the big knock on him throughout his whole career is that he's never been that accurate as a quarterback, and you would think that as time went on, he would have gotten better. But last year was his best completion percentage that he's had as an NFL quarterback. He completed over 67% of his passes, and when he's usually in the high 50s. So even though, yes, he was injured a little bit and probably couldn't throw as many deep balls, I'm confused by it. To be honest, because I think he's really talented. Yes, the Panthers weren't very good and he kind of had an up and down season. But when you just look at the numbers, you you would think he'd be given more respect from the, from the fellow players. So maybe he's just a d- difficult person to, to deal with.
0: I saw something on Twitter the other day. And the question was, if you could clone any NFL player 11 times and had to play the entirety of the season... With that 11, who would you pick? And I didn't really think much. I was just like, Cam Newton. He's a physical specimen who could probably play any position on the field outside of offensive line, and he just happens to play quarterback. He's the biggest, baddest, and most athletic, certainly quarterback, but one of the players in the NFL. And, I mean, 87 seems low in terms of, you know, the overall league standing. And as we kind of climb this list we'll see some quarterbacks ranked ahead of him that I'm not really sure deserve to be so most notably Kirk Cousins but it is what it is and he had that one very good season in 2015 where he led the Panthers all the way to the Super Bowl before they got blown out by by the Broncos but he's shown that he can do it on the biggest stage and I, I'm not sure he he always gets the respect that he deserves
1: yeah and to be fair, I, I don't think it was a blowout that, that year. The, the Broncos definitely deserved to win, but it, I think it was closer than people thought. It's just really weird because when you look at the numbers, and you know, we don't like making podcasts, and, and our podcast so stats-heavy, but I'm going to throw some numbers out there. Cam had his career high in total completions, his career high in completion percentage. He increased his passing yards, his average pass attempt, touchdowns from 2017 all that increased he decreased his interceptions and he ran the ball less so when everyone's talking about Cam needs to protect himself and run the ball less he decreased his attempts by almost 40 and decreases and so he was making an effort to be more healthy so I think this is a very unfair and it's tough because the NFC South is such a good division between the Saints and the Falcons. The Bucs are a disaster, but between the Saints and the Falcons, it's, it's tough to compete in that division when you have to play them four times.
0: There's also not a whole lot of talent surrounding him. He certainly has Christian McCaffrey, but in terms of talented rosters, there are not many Panthers on this list. No. So that's something else to keep in mind. All right, 84, Jarvis Landry, 83, Harrison Smith, 82, Bradley Chubb. 81, Trent Williams. 80, Mark Ingram. I don't have much to say about this group other than I just think Mark Ingram is way too high. He does not deserve to be anywhere near this list in my opinion. He kind of similarly to Edelman had a PED suspension last year which caused him to miss the first quarter of the season. And he only ran for a little over 600 yards in his return. And granted, his role was somewhat limited in New Orleans just because they had Elvin Kamara. But I don't think Mark Ingram really deserves to be on this list.
1: Yeah, I'm th- this seems like also a reward because you can take him all the way off the list. Because in 2017, he was really good. He ran for 1,100 yards and 12 touchdowns. So he was really good and had a very good career. And also in the New Orleans offense, it's respect to Sean Payton and that and that whole system because you still have the game plan for him, which I think is a big part of it. And th- the one guy I want to highlight just very quickly is Harrison Smith. He reminds me a lot of Eric Weddle, who we started this podcast talking about, just a really, really good, strong safety, made a bunch of Pro Bowls, on part of a very good defense in Minnesota. I'm, I'm kind of surprised he's fallen as, as far as he did. But, you know, when, when you look at it, Jarvis Landry, the the other players didn't really bless him that much during uh, this voting to, to go off his uh, hard knocks quote.
0: Jarvis is like Pac-Man, though. He's got stats inflation because all he does is catch these little seven-yard curl routes. So I think his stats are somewhat inflated, and I expect them to go down just because he's going to have to share the number of targets with Odell and some of the other weapons they have in that offense. But Jarvis at 84, I don't really have a problem with it. 79, Geno Atkins. 78, Kirk Cousins 77 Taylor Lewan, 76 Robert Woods 75 Gerald McCoy
1: So this is the McVay bump For Robert Woods He was kind of No one really He was a good player But no one really thought of him that way And then He was awesome last year He was a huge part of the offense Ran great routes Caught a lot of big passes For for the ransom from golf, Which is hard Because Goff isn't very accurate And but the one guy who I want to talk about is, Kirk, you like that, Cousins? You like that! And I think Cousins is pretty good. He, he had, had four consecutive seasons of 4,000 or more passing yards. And I think he's taken upon himself to, to prove that he's not just a numbers guy. And I know the Vikings did not make the playoffs last year, so you can stay on our Twitter replies for that. And the quarterback is the most important. But I think that, that he's going to come up with a vengeance this year and maybe even throw for 5,000 yards. That's a hot take.
0: That's a very hot take. I don't dislike Kirk Cousins as a quarterback. I just think I kind of threw him under the bus when I was talking about Cam Newton, but I didn't yeah, really yeah. mean it as such a slight. I didn't mean it as such a slight to Kirk. <laughs> I think you can win with Kirk Cousins if the surrounding talent is you know adequate enough and up to standards that the Vikings kind of have. This is a team that went to the NFC Championship game with Case Keenum the year before Kirk Cousins arrived. And then he shows up and they had a disappointing season last year, but in the pod we just did recently with Jeff, I picked the Vikings to make the Super Bowl. So, you know, I'm still buying stock in Kirk Cousins, maybe more so the Vikings team overall, but definitely Kirk Cousins. Going back to your Robert Woods point, that's definitely a McVay bump. And quite frankly, I was a little surprised that of the Rams wide receivers, I thought Brandon Cooks might have gotten some of the love, but Brandon Cooks isn't even on this list. So the players clearly feel that Robert Woods is the superior target of Jared Goff, which I think is is somewhat interesting. And just lastly, I want to point out Geno Atkins. The dude is a tank. He is a monster at the defensive tackle position. And I don't really think he gets the the shine or the pub that he probably deserves and that might be because he plays in Cincinnati, and you know they just don't really get the national notoriety that a lot of these other teams do. But at the defensive tackle position, he's averaged 10 sacks the past four seasons, and he's just a total... Game changer and game wrecker
1: yeah, Gino is is awesome, but he 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 deserves to be on a better team because when you think about the Bengals, you only ever think about Andy Dalton and a j green and and Marvin Lewis. and you never really think about him because he's not as interesting to talk about because people like talking about disasters and <laughs> and he's awesome. And he's the only reason why they're even probably competing in so many games. Seven-time pro bowler. So the dude's on the fast track to Canton. Like, imagine if he was on Seattle. Just what type of acclaim he'd be held in the national casual football fan realm instead of being stuck in Cincinnati.
0: Yeah, he's stuck with Andy Dalton instead of Russell Wilson. So that's an unfortunate
1: situation all the way around. And it's really interesting as, as we run through this with a lot of defensive guys, it, it's so funny how the, the quarterback is just so important for how we think about all these teams and where they're, they're listed is so based on the, the team they're on. And the most important thing for that team is a lot of times the quarterback. Like we see with Eric Weddle, because Lamar Jackson is not good at football and Joe Flacco is not good at football.
0: 74, Leighton Van Der Esch. 73, Stephon Diggs. Jason Kelsey, 72. CJ Mosley, 71. My man T.Y. Hilton at seventy. David, what do you think here?
1: How is T.Y. Hilton not ever ranked before, or not ranked last year?
0: He wasn't ranked last year. No. He's got the number one touchdown celebration in the
1: NFL. He's awesome, and I know we just said that someone that uh, Geno was awesome, but T.Y. Hilton's really good. He's Andrew Luck's top target. He has been for forever. He's a dangerous threat going deep. He always catches crazy long touchdowns. As you say, he's got a great celebration. He's a fan favorite. He's a fantasy football top-round pick every year. What more could you ask for uh, out of someone?
0: The one knock on him might be that he's not the tallest target or the biggest target, but given his size and what he's got to work with, he's pretty damn good. Yeah, He's probably 5'11", still runs a 4'4". I, he just runs in a straight line and Andrew Luck finds him, it seems like, once a game for a huge play. So he's definitely 70, he, I, I, you can definitely make the argument that he belongs to be a, a little bit higher. I think Leighton Vander at 74 is just an interesting spot for him. As a rookie, he had 140 tackles last year and the Cowboys kind of had relied upon Sean Lee a lot at that middle linebacker position, and he, it seemed like, got hurt year in and year out. So if Vander Esch and Jalen Smith are kind of the anchor of the Cowboys' defense moving forward, they're going to have, you know, a pretty formidable team going forward in the NFC East.
1: Full disclaimer, we are New York Giants fans, diehards, and I hate Linton Vander Esch. I hate him with every... (laughs) Bone in my body because he plays for the Dallas Cowboys and he is ridiculously good at football and I think he should be higher he was so good last year it felt like on every single play he was the one who made the tackle I mean 142 tackles is just absurd I don't care if you're a rookie or a 20-year vet that isn't absurd it's I, I don't know if I would have 142 tackles if I played like against eight-year-olds in a peewee football league, you know, like that's such a ridiculous number of of tackles and he should be way higher. He's so good. And I just dislike him because he's going to be destroying Saquon Barkley on our offense for the next eight to 10 years. And it's going to be really tough to watch
0: 69. Matt Ryan, 68. Philip Lindsay, D Ford, 67, Eric Ebron, 66, JPP, a former giant 65. David, when, when I went through this portion of the list, Matt Ryan was the name that stuck out to me. How much differently do you think we would perceive Matty Ice had he just closed out that Super Bowl? Because I think he's one of the premier quarterbacks in the league, definitely not in that upper echelon, but he's I think he's top 10, maybe top 8, and with the array of, of weapons that he has at his disposal – I don't see a reason why Matt Ryan can't go out and just light the league on fire this year.
1: You would hope so between just the weapons he has and the type of quarterback he is. Maybe this is, as you're saying, a, a pushback in in some sense to just the whole Atlanta team. They didn't have as great of a season, obviously not making the Super Bowl, and kind of – they've been a team the last few years that has had really high expectations and everyone's saying this would be really good, but they just haven't been able to live up to it. And I think it's hard whether the expectation is you guys should be in the Super Bowl talent-wise and then you don't. It's like, well, everything's a disappointment. But I wouldn't be too concerned about it. It's clear it's like, hey, down here, uh He'll be back. And the biggest thing for him is Julio seems to be extremely motivated this year. Do you see some of his quotes? where you see, like, oh, I'm going to go mess around and get, like, 3,000 yards? That's absurd. That's, like, Madden stuff.
0: <laughs> I mean, real life is pretty much Madden to Julio, though. So yeah. 3,000 yards might be a little bit ambitious. But, I mean, can he get close to two?
1: I'd say maybe. But, I mean, they could do the... The strategy of, it's called the David Madden strategy, which is throw it to your best player on every single play. And instead of having Julio have some games with three to five receptions, make his lowest reception game like 11. And just, it's called the David Madden strategy. And I'm giving this to you, Atlanta. You guys can totally use this. It is all yours. Okay, Dan Quinn, like this is your strategy. It's called throw it to Julio all the time. Every play.
0: It's not, that's not a bad strategy, and I'm kind of surprised they haven't implemented that yet.
1: You got to run the quick slant. You, you got to run the quick slant and the curl flat and four verticals to Julio every time. it will be open. All
0: right, 64, Amari Cooper, 63, Jadeveon Clowney, 62, James Conner, 61, Jalen Smith, and 60, Larry Fitzgerald.
1: Fitz does not age. It's incredible. This dude's going to be on this list forever. The past four seasons... His aged 32 to 35
0: seasons, he's caught an average of 99 passes for over 1,000 yards each season. And that's with subpar quarterback play.
1: It would be cool to see what he can do with Kyler this, this year because Kyler has to be an upgrade. I don't know if he's be an immediate upgrade over Rosen, but he'll be an immediate upgrade or some of the other guys that they've had. And the one guy who I want to point out Really, too, Jalen Smith was a part of that linebacker crew with uh, Vander Escher we just talked about. Really, really good. He's going to be a great player for the Cowboys. will so drive us crazy, but hey, the Giants had a chance to draft him, too. And the, But the guy who I really want to focus on is James Conner. So James Connor replaces Le'Veon Bell after Le'Veon was sitting out the season in the holdout and has such a great season, he ends up on, on this list at, at number 62. Are the Steelers the best team in the league at finding talented skill position players?
0: They have a knack for finding very talented receivers and then running backs. I think it's just a credit to their offensive line. Le'Veon has a really unique style in that he's just so patient when he gets the ball and he kind of waits for creases to open up. And I think James Conner maybe took a little bit from that and tried to emulate it a little bit, but are we sure James Connor is that great of a running back or is it just Steelers running back could almost be the designation to number 62 on this list?
1: No, he's really good. Cause when you would watch him run, obviously he had some holes just from the team, but it's also to be a good running back. It's, it's the player as well. And he was, he was really good last year. He, he definitely deserves this. And also it was just all the stuff he's been through in his personal life or for those who don't know, he when he was at at Pittsburgh, he tore his MCL. And while rehabbing that injury, he started feeling sick and having all these symptoms. And so the doctors you know, ran, ran some tests and discovered that he had Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is a type of cancer. And so he fought cancer in college, doing chemotherapy and just... On top of everything else that anyone goes through at 19 or 20 years old into their life, he also had cancer and beats cancer, comes back, gets drafted for the NFL, and dominates. Like, what an inspirational story. For sure.
0: Two guys from this group, Jadevian Clowney and Amari Cooper, are looking to get new contracts. Jadeveon wanted an extension prior to the franchise tag deadline and said if once that passed, he wasn't really open to signing an extension, so he's going to play out the season on the, on the tag, and Amari Cooper and the Cowboys are still in discussions on getting a deal done prior to the season. I think this is kind of a no-brainer, but if you were a general manager, would you be more inclined to pay Jadeveon Clowney what he's asking for or Amari Cooper what he's asking for?
1: I'd probably pay Clowney, but I would hesitate to pay either to be honest.
0: Yeah, I I'd think I'd take Clowney in a heartbeat just because of the positional value of obviously a pass rusher and Amari Cooper has done great things or in terms of just his influence on Dak Prescott and his development late in the past season, but I think I think I'd take the pass rusher over the wide receiver ten times out of ten.
1: Yeah, because it's, it's as you're saying, you could, especially nowadays, it feels like you could find another really good wide receiver in the draft every year or in free agency. So, And Cooper's going to ask for a lot of money because we, we keep seeing the bar be set so high by all these superstars getting their, their new contracts.
0: 59, Zach Martin. 58, A.J. Green. 57, Danielle Hunter. 56, Joey Bosa. 55, Xavier Howard. David, I don't have many thoughts from this group other than another Cincinnati Bengal great. His career is being wasted in A.J. Green. I just wish we can get A.J. Green a competent quarterback. And, you know, this isn't shade really thrown Andy Dalton's way, although I guess it's probably going to be interpreted as such. But I just think A.J. Green is putting up these ridiculous numbers as really the sole offensive threat. And he's been doing it for what seems like the past decade?
1: No, even though he still is being held in the same acclaim as the other really, really top wide receivers in the NFL. And he just got hurt too, which makes you feel even worse for him. But, but the one guy who I want to talk about is Zach Martin because this is a guy who the Giants could have drafted. He was a plug and play. He was a guard. So he fell in the 20s in the first round. And he's been in all pro selection basically every year. And it's ridiculous. The dude is a machine. He's like the best guard in the NFL since he got drafted. He's mean, he's nasty, he blocks. It's, it's everything you could ask out of an offensive lineman. I he's, he's, he's one of the reasons why the, why the Cowboys have had such a good offensive line the whole time they've had Dak and Zeke.
0: Zach Martin, he is a menace on the interior of that offensive line, so I think, I think we got to give him props, and 59 might be a little bit too low. So 54, Kalias Campbell, 53, Mike Evans, 52, Tyron Smith, another Cowboys lineman. 51, Deshaun Watson, and 50, Baker Mayfield.
1: How is Baker ahead of Deshaun?
0: That's what that's what I wanted to ask you. So Baker is probably the player I am most excited to watch this season in that offense with that new team, some of the new pieces they added. I think he's the player that I'm just I'm drooling and salivating, waiting to see him play week one. But I was going to ask you, side by side, moving forward, would you rather have Baker Mayfield or Deshaun Watson as your franchise quarterback?
1: I'd rather have Deshaun Watson because I think eventually Baker Mayfield is going to piss off so many people because he seems such like a difficult person and extremely arrogant, which I think can rub people the wrong way. Uh, He definitely rubs Colin Cowher the wrong way. And I think Watson is is a better leader in a way in the long term than Mayfield is cuz I think Watson brings people together in a way and I think Mayfield can be more divisive. Like you never meet anyone who has any bold scorching hot takes on Deshaun Watson than that. He's like not that he's bad at being a quarterback but like oh I wouldn't want to play with him. But it seems like a lot of people are like ah Baker I don't like him.
0: Deshaun Watson is just more presidential in the way he carries himself.
1: He fits the image. Yeah.
0: And they're both pretty mobile mobile, although I'll say Deshaun has the edge on Baker there. But in terms of just upside, I like Baker's upside. But if if I were running a team and you know my job was on the line, I'd probably go the safer play and just take take Deshaun Watson. But I honestly I don't think you can go wrong either way. A year ago when the Browns took Baker Mayfield number one. I was shocked. I think a lot of people were shocked. I just didn't really see that coming. John Dorsey, the Browns GM kept that very close to the vest. And you know, a year later you look back and that was supposed to be and could very well turn out to be a very loaded quarterback class. And you know, Baker Mayfield as of now and it's still very early, looks like he might be the the leader of that pack and when we look back in, you know, a decade or so, think that the Browns, they made the right decision there at number one.
1: I also think that in making that decision, I don't know, I doubt that this was a part of their, their plan planning not, but Baker's a very boisterous person in the media, and he's very, very outgoing. And I haven't gotten the sense that Sam Darnold is, out, is as outgoing. And so me personally, I thought Darnold was the best prospect in that class, and I probably would have taken Darnold number one. But to lead the rebuild and be the, image of the of the new Browns dynasty, maybe they just didn't want the type of quarterback who could be really quiet and reserved and be the Eli Manning type and tell you everything you need to know to write your story, but nothing interesting. And but Baker will give you interesting quotes. Baker will do interesting stuff. He'll get that team talked about even if they aren't very good because last year the the Browns weren't very good. They were below they were a below 500 team.
0: Baker Mayfield was just shown at an Indians game this weekend shotgunning a beer. So yeah. this is the quarterback, the franchise quarterback, the hero in Cleveland these days. He's just a man of the people. So what you see is what you get with Baker Mayfield. He's not gonna hide anything. He's had a checkered
1: past for sure. Baker does stuff, you know, he's he's an interesting person. He's very captivating in a way that Deshaun Watson's not. Deshaun Watson, I think, is a better football player, but he's not as captivating as as Mayfield, which is really interesting because when when you're talking about like the battles and, and we'll get to Mahomes a little later, but of those great quarterbacks, he, he's you can't take your eyes off of him and you can't take your eyes off Mahomes, which I think is a really interesting when you're talking about what it's going forward for those next 10 years and who's gonna be getting a lot of those primetime games, even if the Browns aren't as good, you know?
0: I mean I think the Browns are gonna be very good, and part of it is because the guy who's number 49, Miles Garrett, is an absolute freak show. So he's 49, 48 is Melvin Ingram, 47 is Juju Smith Schuster. 46 is Patrick Peterson, and 45 is Demarcus Lawrence. What stands out to me from this group is just Juju. I'm interested to see how he does as a number one wideout in Pittsburgh's offense. He's had great success the past two seasons playing second fiddle to Antonio Brown. He's not crazy explosive, but he's he's beasted a lot on you know number two corners and Antonio Brown's had a lot of safeties over the top helping on him and Juju's kind of been able to operate underneath with limited help and I'm just kind of curious to see how he fares when defenses are able to key in and really lock in on him and try and limit his production
1: it'll be an adjustment for sure but he does still have Ben Roethlisberger that's a huge advantage they still have James Conner so they'll be able to, to run the ball and you know I think he's really good, and a lot of times we see – the NFL is funny. A, a lot of times we see it's not just about the most explosive or dynamic athlete as a wide receiver. A lot of times it's the guy who runs the best routes, and Juju's a very good route runner. And he's just these guys who find ways to get open is such a big part of the job, and he may not be able to run past everyone or push through everyone, but as long as he gets open, I think that's all that matters. And he's been able to prove consistently that he can get open.
0: I think he's still gonna put up the numbers, but I think they might be suppressed in terms of what people expect now that Antonio Brown is gone. And is there anything else from this group that sticks out to you or do you wanna move on?
1: A lot of cowboys. A lot of cowboys.
0: Yeah. Marcus Lawrence just got that money got taken care of. It'll be interested to see if he comes out and has that same hunger and drive, or if he kind of you know, is satisfied with his his plot or if he's really interested in being one of the the premier pass rushers in the league. So that's, that's something interesting to keep an eye on. Speaking of Juju and the Steelers, though, Ben Roethlisberger is number 44 on this list. Interesting spot for the aging veteran quarterback. 43, David Bakhtiari of the Packers. Christian McCaffrey is 42. Cameron Jordan is 41 and Zach Ertz is number 40. What do you think?
1: McCaffrey at 42 is interesting because you see Newton being ranked so low and McCaffrey seemingly so high. That makes me wonder about how they're both perceived.
0: Well, the interesting thing that you, that you mentioned earlier, you were saying how Cam Newton's completion percentage this past season was 67% and how that was the highest he's had in a while. A lot of the reason I think why his completion percentage is so high is because he has a lot of these little just dump-off passes to Christian McCaffrey. For sure. And it's it's nice and easy on Cam's shoulder, just a nice little dump-off pass. But Christian McCaffrey at 42, I think he's one of the best three overall running backs in football just in terms of what he can do running the football and in the passing game. And he's quite durable as well. I think he Saquon and Elvin Kamara, in my opinion, are probably the three best running backs in football. So I think I think forty two might even be a little low for uh, for McCaffrey.
1: Yeah, it's it's clear. It's like when we talk about the NFL or the uh, NBA MVPs and how you have to build up to it. He wasn't ranked last year. He's forty two this year. If, he, if he's very good again this year, you could definitely see him be in the top twenty. And and I think your point about. McCaffrey as, as a receiver is so important because it shows that even though I listed all those stats about noon earlier is that you can make stats tell any story you want it to. And so stats don't tell the whole story. They tell a story. They tell the story that people want it, want them to tell. And so, but, but moving on. So, so we got 40, we got Zach Ertz 39. We got Akeem Hicks 38, Keenan Allen 37, Jamal Adams. And then 36, we got Chris Jones this is the first Chicago Bear right in a while since Kyle Fuller, I think from from that great defense. Yeah, it's been a it's been a while for the Bears. There will be. Did the players realize that they won twelve games last year? Like they won twelve games. They were a double joint away from making the NFC division
0: valid. But I think one guy gets the lion's share of the credit for the success last season, and he's ranked in the top five. So we'll get to him in a little bit. True. But these are just five tough dudes that I'd love to have on my football team. One thing I will say, though, Mike Evans is ranked 53. Keenan Allen is 38. Mike Evans is a better player than Keenan Allen, in my opinion.
1: So that's I could it. not disagree with you more. I think Keenan Allen is significantly better than Mike Evans. Significantly better. Really? Yeah.
0: I just think Mike Evans is a physical freak who also has the agility comparable to Keenan Allen, and Keenan Allen doesn't have the size of Mike Evans to be such a threat in the red zone or on the deep ball. I think Mike Evans is more durable. Keenan Allen certainly has better quarterback play, but I just think even in a vacuum, I'd much rather have Mike Evans than Keenan Allen.
1: I just think in terms of production, Keenan Allen has just been better. And it might be because he's had Phillip Rivers his whole career instead of famous Jameis or Fitzmagic. I just think that Keenan Allen, like when you watch the Chargers play, and it might be because he was on my fantasy team last year too, so I was an added emphasis on the Chargers. He's just another guy who's always, always open and always open in the biggest moments. It feels like whatever the Chargers need a completion, they're going to Keenan Allen and converting a lot because he makes really, really tough catches seemingly all the time in really big spots in the games, all over the field.
0: I guess I think this is our first uh, first disagreement here we've had. You know we're pretty uh, adamant on one side of the fence versus the other, but I guess you know we'll have to uh, we'll have to agree to disagree here. So thirty five Devontae Adams, thirty four Melvin Gordon, Adam Thielen is thirty three, Jared Goff interesting thirty two, Derwin James thirty one, and Eddie Jackson another Chicago Bear. Not the Chicago Bear, but another one, is 30. Any thoughts here?
1: So all the Bears guys have been on defense so far, which is interesting because it shows that the players don't really think Trubisky is very good. Do you? I mean, no, but I'm I'm surprised they haven't thought anyone else on that offense. Maybe like a Jordan Howard or a Tariq Cohen would have made the list. I'm really surprised to be honest. surprised about a lot of these guys. Goff at 32 is... Bizarre to me.
0: That's the ultimate
1: McVay bump. Yeah, ultimate. Because he's, he's fine. You know, he's a fine second-year quarterback. He's definitely improving or third-year or whatever he is. He's fine. He's not great. He's fine.
0: I'm just curious because we were just talking about him. If you were to put Mitchell Trubisky in the Rams offense, what percentage of the production that Jared Goff churns out could Mitchell Trubisky replicate?
1: I think they if they switch spots I think Trubisky would be able to do more than Goff. He'd be able to increase their production because Trubisky is mobile unlike Goffus when you have an offensive and I hate using this word but the offensive guru or genius that that is credited for. I just think that he'll be able to be even more creative with the stuff that that offense could do with the with the guy who could who's more mobile than than Goff.
0: Interesting. Interesting. I I think Jared Goff is a fine quarterback. He was taken number one looking back. I don't think he's that talented of a quarterback, but I guess at the end of the day, if he's in that offense and he's getting the job done, it's really just semantics of, you know, how good he is in another situation because it's it's pretty much irrelevant unless Sean McVay decides to flip him and just go the, I'm going to have a young quarterback and pay him the rookie, rookie pay scale and kind of load up with the veterans as they've done with Jared Goff, but I, I don't really think that's, Route they're gonna go moving forward. The one guy in this group that I'm somewhat interested by is Derwin James. We're gonna look back on the draft from last season and be like, how the heck did this guy fall to number 17? In his rookie year, he was first team all pro. And I mean, he's I think he's the most dominant overall safety in the entire NFL. The size he has, the speed he plays with is, is very, very impressive. And Eddie Jackson's ranked a spot above him and he's also a safety, but Eddie Jackson had something like five or six touchdowns last year. So I think this might be a little bit of him being in the right spot at the right time last year. And, you know, the Bears defense was very dominant, but I'm not sure that production from Eddie Jackson can really be uh, be repeated.
1: No, the the touchdowns definitely can't be repeated. And I think it'll be interesting with with Derwin James, rookie in the Los Angeles Charters now, and that's a really good or organization to come into immediately because they have a lot of talent rivers gordon allen on offense to name a few and then on defense you got bosa and melvin In- uh it's ingram right on, on defense melvin ingram the the other defensive end who who, who has made yep. the list and they have got talent all over the field and it's no surprise that they won 12 11 or 12 games like they did and made it to the what was a conference uh conference uh divisional round 29 George Kittle. Hold on, hold on, hold on. on. Stopping you right there. George Kittle is 29? George Kittle is 29. Yep. That is
0: absurd.
1: All right, keep going.
0: George Kittle, 29. Fletcher Cox, 28. Arriving in a Brinks truck for number 27 is Jalen Ramsey. 26 is Darius Leonard. And 25 is dangerous. Russell Wilson, what do you think?
1: I just can't get over George Kittle. I'm stunned. Stunt. He only had five touchdowns.
0: He had a really, really good season last year, and he was playing with Nick Mullins as his quarterback.
1: Okay, so he had a very good season. Everyone who's made this list has had a a very good season. Okay, and he's 29. You're, You're telling me George Kittle is a better football player than Melvin Gordon, that he's a better football player than Cameron Jordan, that he's a better football player than Melvin Ingram or... Zach Martin or
0: A.J. Green. It's the scarcity of the position as well. Like right now, there's somewhat of a dearth of really impactful tight ends in the NFL. There is a couple of them higher than him on this list, like Travis Kelsey. But when you look around the league, there's not really a whole lot of impactful tight ends. So I think just because he's so explosive and he almost, when the ball is in his hands, he has playmaking ability similar to that of a wide receiver. So I think that's just somewhat impressive and his circumstances weren't the best last year. I'm not, I'm not totally defending him, but I can kind of see how he wound up in that spot.
1: But so even though his circumstances weren't the best and that's assuming that somehow we're saying Jimmy G is going to be great, I think the old saying goes, like all rookie quarterbacks and backer quarterbacks love dump-offs to tight ends. Like they're, like they're the rookie quarterback or the bad quarterback's best friend is the tight end. So I'll use the Christian McCaffrey right. Right back at you. He he had so many catches because he just became a reliable target for a quarterback who just wasn't that good.
0: But I think it counts for something. Whereas Christian McCaffrey's was basically two yard dump offs, George Kittle was actually. We got to go back
1: and uh, check the tape. All
0: right, fair enough. And then Russell Wilson at 25. That's tough.
1: They just didn't throw it enough. They would just run, 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 run. Oh, Oh, yeah, we have Russell Wilson. Let's, let's pass it.
0: The way they call plays, they act like their quarterback is Tavares Jackson and not Russell Wilson.
1: That's what I'm saying. He also is the only quarterback in the NFL who I think has a brilliant nickname, and it was dubbed to him by Cousin Sal imperson- impersonating Bill Simmons on the podcast many years ago when he was a, a rookie calling, calling him Russell, Hustle and Bustle Man Russell Wilson. I think that's still the best nickname, Hustle and Bustle Man Muscle Wilson. is, is, is still just the best for, for any quarterback in the entire NFL.
0: And he's, and he's a baseball player, played in the Yankees organization,
1: yeah. so we gotta, we got to pay him some respect as well. Of course. So he's a man of, of the pinstripes. But so, moving forward, we got Keekly at 24, OBJ at 23, Stefan Gilmore at 22, Travis Kelsey at 21, and Andrew Luck at 20. Andrew Luck possesses the best fan parody Twitter account, I think, of any NFL player. Dearest mother. Those are awesome.
0: I love those. The one guy on this list that we've talked about, the Panthers, a good deal with McCaffrey and Newton, but Luke Kuechly is the absolute captain of their defense, and I think he's the key to the Panthers this season, and he's had concussion issues the past couple of years, so just his health and his ability to stay on the field is going to be key for the Panthers because if they have him and you tell me he's healthy and he's able to play all season... The Panthers and the Falcons, I think, are two of the dark horses. I know they play in the same division, but in the NFC, to make some noise this season.
1: I mean, Keighley is a tackling machine, and as you mentioned, the, the concussions are a really scary injury, and so long term, we don't really know how much f- longer we really think that he's going to be able to keep playing. So we got to enjoy it for as long as we got. And he's a key part for the Panthers because he, he's the heart and soul of the defense, as you said, and. It'll be interesting to see if he can help them lead that defense, and if Newton's a little healthier, because they're in a weird spot. Because that division is just so good, and it and it reminds me a lot of the uh, it just reminds me a lot of the debate we had about Matt Ryan talking about the NFC South, which is how much of it with these great players can you blame it on them and criticize them for it when it's the team are dealing with some of the best teams in the NFL in their division.
0: What are your thoughts on just Odell Beckham Jr. We're kind of a little bit removed from him and his tenure as a New York Giant. We're maybe a little less impartial than most just because we've been cheering for him on, you know, Sundays for the past five years. But now that we're a step removed, had some time to, you know, let it marinate, gather our thoughts, Odell Beckham, the football player, is twenty-three a fair estimation of his talent?
1: No but that's because he was hurt in 2017 and right he was hurt in 2017 and he was hurt this this past year as well so he can't be in the top 10 just cuz he didn't play as many games he's a top 10 talent in the NFL my opinion of him hasn't changed at all my opinion of the the people running the organization also hasn't changed which is i still think odell's a top 10 player i think you deal with whatever off the field stuff he might have presented and if you know that you're going to draft a rookie quarterback why not give daniel jones one of the 10 best receivers of the last 25 years to throw the ball to in his prime i feel like that'd be a pretty good way to work in a rookie quarterback and then also, don't sign him to a major extension to trade him the next year so our cap is tied up the next two years in the mandatory cap hits for him, which makes no sense. So I feel bad that like Beckham got kind of misled, and that's the unfortunate nature of professional sports. Sometimes you sign a contract, and just because you sign a contract doesn't mean you still can't get traded. But it's like, what are we doing? I mean,
0: if someone wants to mislead me and hand me $95 million in the process, I will gladly head down the wrong path.
1: Yeah, and it's and it's also the Giants didn't send him to Buffalo or out to Oakland to John Gruden. They sent him to a really, really good situation in theory in Cleveland.
0: Yeah. So moving on, talking about another very talented wide receiver, number nineteen, we got Tyreek Hill. Ezekiel Elliott is eighteen. Philip Rivers is seventeen. Sixteen, Saquon Barkley, and fifteen Bobby Wagner, who's going to mess around and get into the Hall of Fame, which is incredible, considering he was a second-round pick out of Utah State.
1: I mean, clearly the players don't care about off-the-field stuff in these ranks. you got Tyreek Hill and Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, I don't really have too much to say about them. I think it's ridiculous Tyreek Hill didn't get suspended. Uh, But that's a conversation for another day. I wouldn't pay Elliott I know he wants a contract, but I agree with Jerry Jones. I wouldn't pay him. He's unreliable. He gets into all these off-the-field stuff. He might be suspended again. Like, I don't know what to do with him.
0: My question would be, though, if you're going to draft him, I think they drafted him fourth overall, and you didn't have the intention of paying him, is it worth taking a running back with that high of a selection if you know or you whether explicitly or implicitly, that you're only going to have him for four or five seasons. Like, I think if you're going to draft a player that high, you should invest the resources to at least see his career through, especially one that through the early portion at least has been quite successful.
1: I get what you're saying for the long term, but okay, so you take him four because you know that he's going to be worth the fourth pick for the five years you have him, and... But I wouldn't want to pay him that next contract. I think that's the big thing. So maybe as we'll, we'll see going forward, maybe teams will take the best running backs in the early in the first round because for those first four or five years, they'll be worth that pick. And they could just go and draft someone else in five years. Because that, that, that second – especially because he's just been so unreliable off the field is the biggest concern to me. It's not necessarily his performance on the field, but it's like he's always getting suspended and getting arrested. It's ridiculous.
0: I I agree. And I think it's almost two contradicting ideologies expressed from Jerry Jones. Like, if you're going to take, I guess what basically what I'm trying to say is if you're going to take a running back fourth overall, you clearly think the running back has some value as it compares to other positions. So then, if you're going to, when the time comes, you're not going to pay the running back because you think you can just pick one off. Off the scrap heap? Why would you even draft him in the first place? So I'm totally against drafting running backs, but just taking a running back at all, I don't necessarily agree with it. But if you do take him, I don't really see your defense if you're not willing to pay him after the fact. So that, that's kind of where I stand on that. But I, I don't—is that crazy? I don't know. I, that's just—I think it's just kind of contradicting on Jerry Jones' behalf, even though I agree with him. But his previous actions contradict what he's saying now.
1: And I think it wouldn't be the debate because I think people would agree with you if it wasn't for Elliot's off-the-field stuff. Because I think everything you just said makes tons of sense and it is really logical. But when you have a guy who is as good on the field, like in theory, in a vacuum, you would never even have to ever worry about it. But he's like, I don't even know how many times he's been suspended, but it's been a bunch, right? Or maybe it's just that, that, that one for for six games.
0: Yeah, that one time he got suspended for six games, but he's always in the news for stuff being investigated and a lot of times they don't lead to suspensions. Yeah. But I feel like he's been in the news for certain incidents and, in, you know, Cabo or he's going to spring break to hang out with some college kids and it's like, dude, you're 25 in the NFL playing for the Cowboys, like just, you know, at least act the part.
1: Yes, for sure.
0: In this next grouping, we have two Saints And two Texans. So 14 is Elvin Kamara. 13, Michael Thomas. 12, J.J. Watt. 11, DeAndre Hopkins. And 10, Von Miller.
1: I think Michael Thomas is incredible. He might be the best wide receiver in football. Put some respect on J.J. Watt's name. That dude's a top 10 player. I don't care that he might not have had the best season. He's better than Von Miller.
0: All right, so I was going to ask you, if you could start your team with one of these guys, who would it be? And you just said you'd take J.J. Watt over Von Miller. My answer to the question I just posed, I was down to Von Miller and J.J. Watt, and I was going to side with Von Miller. Why? So we have another disagreement here. Watt's peak was certainly more dominant But, David, we're also talking about the here and the now. Uh I just think Von Miller has a lot left in the tank. J.J. Watt, I think it was great for him and his psyche and just in general to have that season that he had last year after the terrible back injury that he suffered that caused him to miss all of the season prior. But I just think moving forward, I think Von Miller, he's at 98 career sacks right now. I'm not ruling it out that he potentially... Breaks the all-time record set by Bruce Smith. I think it's like 192. I think that's how much Von Miller has left in the tank. I think he's going he's gonna to make a chase after that, after that record. He's playing alongside Bradley Chubb now. But even outside of their circumstances, moving forward, I'm taking Von Miller over J.J. Watt. Tell me I'm wrong.
1: You are 100% wrong. So they were drafted in, in the same year, and Von Miller has 98 sacks, and J.J. Watt has 92. He hasn't been that much better. Yes, Watt had the two very injury-plagued year, but Watt's been like, Watt's the best player in football when he's healthy, you could argue. He's one of the five best players in football.
0: All right, so I'm, I'm kind of hurting my case here, but J.J. Watt's that close, and he missed an entire season. Yes. So, you know, you could say, if but but health Is a huge component of football. We've already I I said it before. Availability is your best ability in the NFL. And JJ Watt, yes, he was available all of last season. I just think moving forward, there's a higher likelihood that he gets injured and his career is shortened than Von Miller. I think Von Miller still has six, seven, eight, nine years left. Whereas JJ Watt, I think he might play for another two to three and then. His body has just been through so much that I think he's going he's gonna to hang him up.
1: That's probably true.
0: But I do think it's not an easy decision one way or the other, and you
1: really can't go wrong. Would you take Hopkins or Michael Thomas?
0: DeAndre Hopkins is the best wide
1: receiver in football, period. That's just blasphemous.
0: He had, I want to say, 115 receptions last year and did not have a single drop. That is pretty, pretty impressive. He's not as explosive as Tyreek Hill, but he's got the, the quickness and the foot speed to beat defensive backs.
1: But I just think Michael Thomas is so dominant and has been so dominant that... And it's hard because he had Drew Brees, but when you watch Michael Thomas, the dude is always open. And he probably makes fewer tough catches than DeAndre Hopkins does, but Michael Thomas, I think, had like the record for most receptions through first three years, so even though he might have had a few more drops, he's still catching an incredible number of passes as well. Like, it's not like he's not being targeted as much as Hopkins is, you know?
0: We got Julio Jones at 9, Aaron Rodgers at 8, Antonio Brown at 7, and Tom Brady at 6. The disrespect. Put some respect on Tom's name. He just turned 42 this weekend.
1: How is that disrespectful?
0: I I mean, I just think out of deference and, you know, as a sign of respect, he might be ranked a little bit higher. In 2017 and 2018, he was ranked the number one player on this list. So what did he do last season other than, I mean, win a Super Bowl to fall in the rankings?
1: He fundamentally wasn't as good last year as he was those previous two years.
0: I, I, I don't disagree with you. And I strictly off of a talent evaluation perspective, there are a lot of guys who should be higher than him. But in terms of the value that he brings to a team, Drew Brees is ranked higher than him. Like, If we're going to give Drew Brees credit, why are we not going to give the guy who just won the Super Bowl credit? And it's not like he's coming off of a Miserable season beforehand. He was number one in these rankings the past two seasons.
1: Obviously, Brady is the best who's ever played. But that doesn't mean that his twenty eighteen season was as good as Drew Brees's. I think that's what it really came down was that Drew Brees had one of the best seasons of his career. Was in the MVP contention, and so was Mahomes. And Brady was really good, but he wasn't one of the two best quarterbacks during the regular season in terms of numbers yes he turned it on in the playoffs which was awesome but brady's lost some stuff brady doesn't have that same type of deep ball uh brady's still really really good but when you're watching he he's a different quarterback than he was four or five years ago you know he's still really good but that just because he's being ranked as the third best quarterback by his peers isn't disrespectful it's i think it's accurate you're probably
0: right. I was maybe a little bit too harsh. Now that you know, I've had some time to cool down a little bit and you know, hear your perspective and your side, I think I might agree with you. So you've changed my mind on one of our disagreements, David. So congratulations.
1: Thank you. Because I also think that if you polled all the players who participated in this and the question was, who would you want to start your one game that you have to win? Like in the Bill Simmons theory of if, the, if football playing aliens came down, and we had to play him for the fate of the planet, and you had to choose one current quarterback, I think everyone would pick Tom Brady. But that doesn't mean that he had the best season. I think it's different though, in, in the one game versus the course of the 16.
0: Predict Antonio Brown's stat line this
1: season. Who's going to play quarterback? Peterman or Carr? Derek Carr. Oh, God. I don't even know what's worse, to be honest. <laughs> I'll say, like, 70 catches, 900 yards, and six touchdowns. Wow, you're low on A-B. Well, A, he's hurt. He's going to go see a foot specialist. B, he has a terrible group of quarterbacks. And C, it's John Gruden. Derek Carr, the
0: slander on his name is ridiculous. Here's a guy a couple years ago, his team's 12 and 4. They're fighting for the number one seed in the AFC. He goes down with a broken back and they got to start Connor Cook. And since then, you'd think that the dude is... Nathan Peterman himself and now Nathan Peterman's backing him up but I mean Antonio Brown this season 100 and I'll say 101 catches because 100 catches just means too much to him he will not settle for anything less he will demand the rock in the final game of the season if he's short so I'll give him 101 catches I'll say like 1400 yards and 8 touchdowns I think Antonio Brown is going to do the same exact thing and be just as productive in Oakland as he was
1: in Pittsburgh dude you're crazy. Derek Carr's career record is 32 and 46. He had one great year the way that Blake Bortles had one year where he threw like for 4,000 yards. Are you, are, are you telling me that that if A.B. went to Jacksonville, it would be like, oh, man, he's got Bortles.
0: No, Derek Carr and Blake Bortles are in two different stratospheres. I think people are giving up so easily on Derek Carr. I'm not saying he's going to be like the second coming of Rich Gannon but i think give him a little bit of time he's
1: a little bit of time he's played 5 years and he has a, he's under 500 by 14 games what i'm saying is he's
0: productive like it's not like he's just not productive he's not the reason the raiders are losing he's certainly not carrying them to victories like other quarterbacks in the league with limited talent but i also don't think people should be writing them off, writing him off like, if he, if he would have been, if John Gruden really, really wanted to draft the quarterback this year, they picked fourth. If he would have wanted Dwayne Haskins or Daniel Jones or even traded up for Kyler Murray and he wanted to trade Derek Carr, they could have gotten a first-round pick for Derek Carr.
1: Well, the, none of those quarterbacks you mentioned play the, played in the national championship game. And that seemingly is what Gruden <laughs> based his draft evaluations off of was maybe the one game he watched. <laughs> he only
0: watches one game? <laughs> Yeah, if you didn't play for Clemson or Alabama, you're out of luck.
1: Yeah, because it's it's crazy when when you look at the uh the the Raiders draft. So they took in the first round, they took Cleveland Farrell who was from Clemson at number 4, which if the Giants didn't take Daniel Jones, that would have been maybe the the worst pick of the night or the the biggest reach, right? You have to think. Yeah. And then so after taking Farrell, then he goes to Josh Jacobs, running back from Alabama. So another player from that game. And then he goes to, uh, he takes a corner from Clemson named Trevon Mullen. And then later in the draft, he took Hunter Renfro, also from Clemson. So he took four players out of their nine picks. Played in that national championship game. It's incredible. It's incredible. And I'm down on him as a coach as well for, for AB because I just have no faith that Gruden knows what he's doing. Like, will Antonio Brown be open on Spider-Y2 Banana? Mr. Big Chess is going to be all right. Don't <laughs> worry about Mr. Big Chess.
0: He's going to show in. He's going to put his work in. He's going to get the job done. I think Antonio Brown, you know, is, is, is going to be a good presence there in Oakland.
1: Good presence? He got kicked out of Pittsburgh did he throw a football at like Roethlisberger head in week 17 and like refuse to show up for the game? They're all like, oh, it's getting close to kickoff. Where's A.B.? Is he, you know, in the training room or in the bathroom? Oh, no, man. He he, he, just decided, he decided not to show up today. And you're like, what?
0: Talent talks. Talent talks.
1: I want my talent showing up to the biggest games of the season, though. And not in terms of like showing up in terms of performing, like literally gets in the car, and arrives at the stadium. Like, I just need him at the stadium.
0: All right, top five, David. Todd Gurley, number five. Number four, Patrick Mahomes. Number three, Khalil Mack. Number two, Drew Brees. And number one, Aaron Donald. We made it.
1: We made it. So I think Donald is correct at number one. First and foremost, Donald is the best overall football player in the league. No doubt. He had like 20 sacks last year. He gets double teamed. He was getting double teamed all season, Kelly, and still had 20 plus sacks. You know how impossible that is? That's like getting triple teamed in basketball all game and still having 40.
0: He's, he's incredible. And I don't think he's the most valuable player in football because that's reserved for quarterbacks, whether you like it or not. But in terms of positional dominance, there is not anyone that has separated themselves further from his peers than Aaron Donald has from defensive tackles. Like, the difference between he and the guy in second place
1: is eons. Eons. And he just disrupts the the game. Like, you have to game plan for him, and you almost have to know that, like, you can't stop him. And it's different when... When you talk about all these quarterbacks, because when the mm-hmm. pressure comes from the edge, like you can't step up and get away from it. But Donald rushes from the front, and there's not much you can do. like. You can go to the side, but then you're like running off balance to your side, as being able to step up away from from the pressure. And Donald is just a beast, man. He, he's a beast. But moving on, because I don't know how many times the the listeners just want us to say that Aaron Donald's the just incredible. I would have flipped Mahomes and Breeze to be honest.
0: Drew Brees just being in the top five I think is a little high I I think I If he's in the top ten Okay maybe I just Seeing Drew Brees at number two Seems a little off So I totally agree that I would have had Patrick Mahomes too And you know I would have been okay if he and Brees flip-flopped
1: Because Brees had a great first 75% of the season But then that last Or 75-80% of the season And then that last 20% He really struggled And I hate to bring up this point too, but breeze did throw an interception in the NFC Championship game in overtime to set up the Rams for that field goal, and Mahomes drove the Chiefs down the field and to tie it against the Pats and force overtime, where they had a fifty-fifty chance that Mahomes get the ball first and it just went to Brady, and Brady said, "Hey, this I'm not letting Mahomes touch touch the ball," and the Pats went and won. So. Did you have, have you seen some of the videos from a, from training camp of Pat Mahomes?
0: Yeah, I have. The dude's got a rocket
1: attached to his right shoulder. It looks fake. Like we're in this age of deep fakes and can you really believe anything and the president's saying everything's fake news and no one really knows what's what's real and what's not, especially on, on the internet. But when you watch him throw, it actually just doesn't look real. And you know it is real, but it looks like, they took a simulation of Madden and put it out. Like, I'm wearing VR goggles.
0: His ball has some serious velo. Like, that thing is coming in hot. It's,
1: it's not just how hard he throws, but it's how it's, it's the angle. It's, it's his arm angles and how it seemingly he throws the ball farther when he's running to his right and left, when he's off balance, than when he's set.
0: I think that's what makes him so dangerous. Yeah, it's, it's the creativity. When you get pressure on him and he escapes the pocket, he is at his absolute most dangerous. And it's not even as a runner because he, he will run occasionally. But when he escapes the pocket, his his eyes are downfield. And when he has threats like Tyreek Hill, who are just faster than everyone else on the field, there's it, it's, tough to, it's tough to guard anyone for three or four or five seconds. But when a guy's running circles in the backfield and – you got to try and blanket someone like that. It's just, it's almost impossible.
1: It's completely impossible because it's its almost like you just want to say, hey, the best strategy is to never blitz and just drop seven back in coverage or eight back in coverage because I think he's not as good just in the pocket, which is weird because he's still like really, really good in the pocket. And I, And like, don't get me wrong. He's still a stud in the pocket, and that's probably a bad strategy too. But it just feels like he doesn't just like stand there and pick you apart diabolically the way that Brady does or Aaron Rodgers does, but that just in like the free-flowingness of the game, and he has that gunslinger mentality where, like, okay, it's like, oh, you're going to force me out of the pocket? Well, this means that I can just sling the ball 70 yards in the air down the field to Tyree Kill for a touchdown. It's absurd. He is must-see TV.
0: Absolute must-see. The, la- the last person I just want to hit on quickly, Todd Gurley. He had a great season last year. And, you know, if this is projecting, if we're going to project forward, I think he takes a precipitous fall next year just because he's dealing with some issues. We saw it in the playoffs last year. His, his knee and his body just doesn't seem right. This is kind of, you know, the sentiment of don't pay a running back. The Rams had just inked girly to a four-year, $60 million extension, and it seems almost since the moment he signed it that that was a mistake.
1: It's not a good sign that they're saying he has arthritis in his knees, Kelly. I'm no expert. I'm not a doctor, but that seems not great. That's, that doesn't seem great. <laughs> that's not good, right? That doesn't seem great. Yeah, so, that's not good. So... Um, I don't have a lot to say about Gurley. He's really good, but part of me really wonders how much you can get from him going forward, especially when they're going out and signing C.J. Anderson in week 16 last year and him being so dominant, if Gurley can really last the whole season. But the one guy I'm surprised you haven't mentioned yet is Khalil Mack. He is up there with Donald as maybe the best player in football, just overall player in all of football. Total
0: total game record so much so that John Gruden didn't even want him. John Gruden just you know took over in Oakland and was like, "How do I get rid of this guy?" And he made him look like a fool in Chicago. Chicago gave up two first to get him. Underpaid. I'm sure looking back, right? They would they would have given up three. Bears won twelve games last year. I can remember like two or three that Cleo Mack almost single handedly won, just destructing the opposing quarterback.
1: Did you see the video at a training camp this year where they're doing like that, like the pad drill? And the coach wasn't ready in the proper stance, and he knocked the, the, the poor coach over, like the volunteer assistant who's in it. charge of holding the pads. It's okay. He just hits him so hard that he knocked him over. <laughs> I didn't see it. I didn't see it. Khalil Mack is so good, and he's must see TV on the defensive side because he's like what and because with Donald's really good but Donald kind of gets lost in the line of scrimmage when he plays with his, with his hand down you always see him when he's sacking the quarterback but at least Khalil Mack he's standing a lot of the times so you can just see how physically big he is too compared to these humongous offensive linemen and he almost killed Aaron Rodgers right wasn't that week one last year that like he almost tore Aaron Rodgers ACL
0: the Packers actually won that game but that's always the game that sticks out in my mind as well yeah, Khalil, I, Khalil Mack just absolutely wreaked havoc on the Packers in that first half. I want to say, like his first snap as a Bear, I think was like a he had like a strip sack, and then he had a another strip sack where he recovered the ball and ran in for a touchdown. So basically, from the instant he arrived in Chicago, he transformed that defense. And I mean, they went twelve and four last year. Not many people were picking them to to do anything serious until they traded for him. No, so not at all. Certainly valuable, not to the level of Aaron Donald, certainly, but I think he's the clear-cut second best defensive player in football.
1: At what moment do you think John Gruden realized that he might have made a mistake trading him? Was it that that first play or when he said that I think we need some pass rushers to the media? Or do you still think he made the right move? I'm not
0: sure if he's noticed yet, actually. I don't know if John <laughs> Gruden keeps up with what happens in the NFL. He's just out there. Collecting his check and, uh, you know, he got his feet up and a, and a pina colada in hand, just, you know, chilling, waiting for them to move to Vegas. You
1: know? It's unbelievable. It The only difference between us and John Gruden for the 10 years that he was doing Monday Night Football was that he just had better seats than us. Because we watched all the same games, but he just had better seats.
0: All right, David, you have anything else you want to add before we, uh, we wrap this mega pot up?
1: I want to shout out uh, Daniel Jones. Uh, Giants rookie quarterback apparently he's the best rookie who has ever played in the NFL according to the media reports and what the coaches are saying not completely buying it Kelly not buying it for for one second conspiracy Dave is on the case like the moon landing and the JFK assassination some of these details just don't add up man uh I'm I'm very concerned because I think that it's going to be a long season. Every time Eli throws an interception, the whole team going to be going, we want Jones, give us Jones, and he's going to come in and not be very good. And it's just going to be terrible. But then we'll get Tua.
0: That's not happening. That ship sailed once we took Daniel Jones, which was part of the devastation when that pick was announced, although he's growing on me. Hearing and reading about his progression in, from minicamp, and OTAs to now training camp. I'm not sure if, you know, the Giants kind of have to act like they're totally enthused and encouraged by his, pr- his progress and kind of his improvement. And, you know, I'm just excited for the Daniel Jones era. I'm, I'm kind of hoping it starts sooner rather than later. All right, Dave, let's, let's put a bow on this thing. It was a pleasure. We made it through all 100. I'm, you know, a little shocked we, we were able to do it. It took longer than expected, but uh, we, had a, we had a good time here.
1: It was a great time. I'm I'm getting pumped for football. I kind of wish the season started tomorrow, but we got a whole month to go.
0: That'll do it for this episode of the Double Double. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you wouldn't mind, please subscribe, rate, and review. Five stars would be much appreciated. If you have any feedback for the show, good, bad, or indifferent, you can tweet at us, our Twitter account, is dbl underscore dbl podcast or you can email us our email address is double double four zero two at gmail.com thanks again for listening take care and make it a great day